0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward thinking, and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So, on to today's episode. I like all this, Jack. this is This is the stuff that people don't get to know. <laughs> They're real, they're real juice. Getting to the nitty gritty, we're right in there, deep diving into how to actually pronounce your name. That's it. <laughs> Katie Barnett, thank you so much for being on The Brown the Brave. Yay, thank you for having me. Total on right? I'm just going to put it out there, right? My, I, I met my pal, Lindsay, earlier on. Um, yeah, so Lindsay and I actually saw you at the McRobert Panto a couple of years ago, Rapunzel.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah
0: swear to God, right, I'm not even kidding, like, I'm not butting you up, we could not actually stop talking about you. That <laughs> character you played, like, I could just have uh, put you in my pocket and take you home. Like, you were outstanding. I hadn't seen anything like it. You were tremendous. And then I was so excited to learn that you were going to be in the, uh, in the Tron Panther, like, well, we'll say this year, but it was that year are just gone. And yeah. you, your performances have just blown my tiny mind.
1: Oh, that's very kind. Thank you so much it's very sweet of you to say pleasure uh, but it's all very
0: true so yeah so
1: big fans big fans um
0: but there's so much to talk about there really is because like and I, I guess like a lot of uh your peers lots of friends lots of people in the industry like you wear many hats i wonder what hat did you put on first was it the singing hat the actor hat if you take if we take you take your way back and you can go back as far as you like what do you think you discovered first in terms of your talent and ability and passion
1: it's a good question I think it was acting first and um, because I, I went to drama classes I'm from the northeast of Scotland from a town called Fraserburgh, and I would go to these weekly acting classes I think I started when I was like five or something I was really young and I, I remember the day that my mum signed me up for it she'd read it in the paper that there were these classes and I remember like even her saying you know, do you want to go to these acting classes? Something in me kind of lit up, even though I'd never done it before and I didn't really understand what it was. I was just like, "Well, oh, I get to go and show off." <laughs> I was just buzzing about that, and then I went and I just I didn't look back. And um, my my teacher at the drama classes was actually I don't know if you know, know Dougie Irvin, who is artistic director of Visible Fictions, mm-hmm. and he was um he was Alice's son, so it's actually his mum that taught me growing up. Wow, right. Yeah. And so I'd go to that every week and I loved it. And then I'd do the arm drum and things like that. And then Alice kind of said to me one day, like, you know, you can actually do this as a, as a job. And I, and I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, like my son did it. And my son went to this place called the NSMD and blah, 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 blah. So she kind of planted that little seed in my head. And, and it wasn't like, I never really thought about musical theater until much later on, because I didn't really know that I could sing. I, I always loved music and, and I would sing in the house and stuff. And I remember, like the best Christmas present I ever got was a karaoke machine, and I I yes. loved that. You know, I loved all of that, as as most young people do. But um, it wasn't until kind of much later on that I started singing and going, "Oh, actually, I really enjoy that part of it. Like, I really, really love it." And then, and then came the fascination for the voice. Um, when I really, when I went to drama school and I started doing weekly singing lessons there that's when I started to feel the way that I felt when my mum read that out in the paper about voice I was like oh there's something really exciting about that um and so then yeah when I graduated drama school that led me to obviously perform and use the skills that I'd learned but also kind of um grow a separate wing and also become a voice teacher which I enjoy so much and just as much
0: Well, that's lovely. That's lovely to hear because I guess in the the nature of the business that you work in that, you know, they're like buses, you know, there's times where it's like all consuming and it's go, go, go and all the jobs are coming at once. And then there'll be times like just naturally that there's that downtime. And if you can fill that space with something that you're equally as passionate about, Yeah. That's tremendous. Do you mean and you're helping other people to pursue their passions, whether it be, I guess, professionally and just for fun. Do you have like a mix of students who are just doing it for fun and others who are actually in the business if you like?
1: Yeah, I've got such a mixed bag and I think that's what I love most about it is it's every single day is different. I've got, you know, really young kids and, you know, teenagers that are doing their exams and then you've got folk that are in the Amdram community and then people that want to apply for drama school, and then you've got people that are in drama school, and then people who've graduated and are in the industry, people that are on the West End, people that are, you know, literally everything, you name it, I've probably taught it. And then folk that are, you know, in their adulthood who have, for lack of a better term, serious jobs. <laughs> um, Those folk, who... that adult and <laughs> folk that are adults, who are they? Folk are adults, basically, um, who use their singing lessons as like their, you know, their space to like unwind and do something that creative so yeah literally the whole spectrum which is mm. really cool and i've, I've in a way I've, I've, that surprised me i think because i always thought like like i'd done a few courses and stuff and on the courses i was always told like you need to find your niche so you need to find like who your lessons are for Okay. and even now like years later i'm like i don't know the answer to that question because genuinely i feel like like I've, yeah like the variation is what i enjoy well
0: that's the thing surely i mean i'm just i can. Can I come at it from a perspective in terms of teaching dance and choreographing like i have taught everybody i think i can't imagine there's not a you know a demographic that i've not taught now i mean over the, the span of my career and yeah and i i think i've struggled with that concept sometimes like you know she doesn't know what to be up to she's she one minute she's teaching these folk and then next minute she's doing this project but i think if really i'm trying well i'm kind of trying to come to terms with it now like if you're able to apply yourself in all these different situations and to these different people that you're working with like surely that's like a skill in itself do you know what I mean to be able to do that to be able to be so adaptable and to work with somebody who's not thinking about it seriously in terms of career that this is just their me time kind of thing and mm-hmm. you can come at it with that attitude for them and you're not like let's take this really seriously um i think that's like i think that's a joy
1: in it but i also think it's a skill surely to be able to adapt your teaching hundred percent is i was literally talking to a pal about this um yesterday um and i was talking to my personal trainer about it as well because she was saying like it's the same with personal training obviously like everybody's got a different body everybody's got different goals everybody's Mm -hmm. got different fitness levels so you can make this plan but then the person might walk into the room and you know, like I go into my personal training sessions and she maybe says to me, oh, yeah, do this thinking it's going to be easy. And then I'm like flailing about and she's like, wait, what? Like I thought you'd be able to do that easily. So the same thing goes, I suppose, for me, it's like I can plan until I'm blue in the face. But then you have to really on the spot be be very on it and just yeah, able to, to improvise, I suppose. Um, Yeah,
0: I mean, and I speak about this a lot in the podcast, but I do think it's important like that holding space for people and being reactive and not just being like, well, I made a plan and this is what we're sticking to. Because when you're working with humans, I mean, and you'll know this in your other job if you like being an actor and being part of a company that you can have all the plans in the world, but humans will muck up plans. Yeah.
1: Yep. And also like the voice is so linked to the body and to the mind, right? So every every aspect of you has to be working for the voice to then work. So that's taken me some time as well to to learn, I suppose, is that a person's walking in as a person, not as a voice, you know, um, yes. so you've got to take that time and go at their pace, the pace that, that they works. need, rather than the pace that I would like to go at or that I'm used to, or you know what I mean? And, and I think that is why I love it, because um, the reason that I enjoy acting, Um, or being in a company or things like that is—is that no day is the same, you know? So, no year is the same. Like you reflect back on, you know, last year or the year before, and you go, "Gosh, I did that and I did that, and it was so varied." And I think the thought of doing another job was always quite scary because I was worried about that variation going away. Whereas now I'm like, "Oh, it is cool because I get to do this job that is still very varied (laughs) because it's the same job that I'm doing, but it's every single day is different." And yeah, just on that kind of idea about the singing
0: as well, because I think I obviously came across you in terms of your act and seeing you perform, and then obviously followed you online, sound like a pure your stalker, Um, and then realized that you were a singing teacher. And it was really interesting I loved how, during the panto, just there, that you'd shared, you know, some almost like behind the scenes and you warming up your voice and getting ready. And, And I guess like for anybody who's not necessarily in the world that you're in, that is an alien concept of like what you actually. I mean, everybody. I guess everybody knows like a, if you were in a choir or whatever, you would maybe do some scales or whatever. But the actual like physicality of like you've got to look after your voice, and especially if you're in some like panto where you're singing like every single day for weeks on end, and I just find it really fascinating like this the kind of techniques and stuff that you use to look after yourself, and that is like a a proper self care thing for your body and for your voice.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a discipline, I would say. Mm. Um is is what i've realized you know having done panto a a few times now i think my discipline has got stronger as the years have gone on because i've realized like oh hang on like i'd be quite disciplined for the first couple of weeks you know i'd be eating well and i'd be doing my warm-ups and then it would all kind of slip as it Mm. often does you know yeah as the years have gone on i've gone oh no i actually do need to be warming up every single time and you know taking care of myself right up until the bitter end um
0: because panto is a shift like having not worked on panto until that year there so like i've done lots of lovely christmas shows like i used to do some choreography for the christmas shows in the tron but upstairs like the wee show but obviously being part of the production team you've got the lovely job of working on it and then you're like have a lovely time bye (laughs) and then you come back and see a performance or two um but christmas there i worked on two different pantos and just watching the cast the graft that you know day in day out it's full on, it's, it's a beast.
1: It is a beast and I think <laughs> like post pandemic, I realized that mm. because it's just the norm, isn't it? Like, especially being in this industry, panto is just a given thing. It's just something we all do. It's just, you know, you do panto. Um, but having that time off and coming back to it, I I, I mean, I, whew, like it a few times this year that, you know, in in the middle of the show or in between shows, I'd be like, my God, this is this is hard, like physically yes. really difficult physically vocally emotionally you know Mm -hmm. it's a lot but then like there's so many amazing positive things that that come with it that it it makes it all worth it but it is it's you know without romanticizing it it, it's it is um amazing but very very difficult (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. and i guess that's like with anything that is a passion that that, you know that you throw everything at it and you put everything in it and it's going to there's peaks and troughs there's going to be highs there's going to be lows and that's I guess just in in general in terms of a career in the world of the the performing arts but just fixating on that kind of panto aspect like so you said like you were quite keen to have that variety in your career when you were Mm. so did you study musical theatre then is that the route that you went down yeah
1: I did yeah Um, I ended up going to RCS and and studying musical theatre and in terms of that variety from
0: coming out of your studies into the real life world you know, can you kind of give us like a almost like a highlight reel of kind of projects like ones that really stood out for you that you've enjoyed for whatever reason
1: yeah, so when i graduated i i actually went straight into a job i did i went um to work at the McRobert actually um oh, okay. doing a kid doing a kid show that we then toured the u k with and it was called shark in the park and, and it was um <laughs> it was the Nick Sharratt books that like were quite um popular at the time. I think they are still quite popular. So that was the first thing that I did, um, which was, um, really cool. And then, um, from that, I I did my first McRobert panel, um, and that was great because I obviously really enjoyed that and and sort of made my connection with Johnny, um, who I've worked with you know a lot since then. Yes. Um And. That, yeah, that, so that was my first time doing doing panto professionally and and I do think that panto is my absolute favourite thing to do. I still think that, like it's, it's for me, panto is the thing. I absolutely love it. Um, That's so nice
0: to hear because having loved your performances, I'm like, I'm glad you're having a nice time.
1: Yeah, I, I love it, honestly. I love, 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 love it. And it, yes, like I said, it is hard, but for me, panto was the first thing I ever saw, you know, being mm. from a small town up north, you know, going to see the big panto was the thing and I used to go every Christmas Eve and I would look forward to it more than Christmas. And so I think it's also a part of me in that way. That it's kind of the reason why I'm doing this because I, I love Panto so much. Um so I did that and then from Panto I, I did a play. So then I did Hay Fever, which is an old coward play. So that was very different. Um putting on a very different hat there. No singing to hide behind. Um <laughs> Really challenging, actually, doing that play, um so that was on at the Lyceum and at the sits, and I had a really good time doing that. I had a bit of a difficult time as well doing it um because I missed my brother's wedding um oh, at, which was on yeah during the show, and that was quite difficult and and you know it's things like that you don't get that back, but yeah, so I did that, and then I actually went straight into Our ladies of perpetual sucker um yes, so I joined that in London in in the West End production um and that was really like wild because I'd been doing Hay Fever and when the auditions for Our Ladies came around, I was so desperate to go into the room because I'd seen it and I'd absolutely loved it. And I was like, Oh my God, like it's, it's casting. Like I really want to be seen for it, but it clashed with um, Hay Fever. Um, originally it was like, no, it's a clash. Um, so you're not going to, we're not going to be able to get the audition sort of thing. And then like a few days before the auditions happened, I ended up kind of, Boat, getting an email saying actually can you come in an addition anyway and I was like okay, right, okay that's cool so I went in and did the audition and ended up getting the job and it just meant that I missed the first week of rehearsals so oh, yeah okay I was finishing here while everybody else started to rehearse for our ladies down in London so that was also very interesting because I was coming <sighs> up that's a just lot of, yeah it was like a week in and everybody else was obviously like quite pally and you know they all had um you know, got quite familiar with each other and stuff, and I was like, hiya, <laughs> like turning up on week two. Hiya, Val's. <laughs> yeah, and then um, so it was a bit overwhelming, and uh, I'd had to learn all the material Um, Jeez, while I was oh. doing Hay Fever. So I, I remember I would, during Hay Fever, I would come off the stage, and like in the interval, I would be doing my lines for Our Ladies, and then I'd be going back on, and I'd be coming off and like singing a song from Our Ladies, and it was just like my brain was split in two <sighs> at that point. And yeah, that's and the thing about
0: that at it, work, isn't it? Like it never necessarily always just lines up beautifully where it no. gives you a wee bit of time off and you know to recuperate and like no, it's all gonna come at once or yeah. not at all.
1: <laughs> of course it is, because yeah, like well after that. I mean that was my first year out where it practically all like aligned
0: mm-hmm.
1: very well. And then obviously there's a lot of space and time after that, but that was a hectic time. I was I was quite not well actually during that that first week of Our Ladies I was quite ill like just run down I think um, yeah. but it was that way as well when I was a new girl so I was scared to say oh I don't feel well so I remember like soldiering on through those rehearsals and then we had this doctor that came in like a company doctor we all got like vitamin shots in the wow. like vitamin I think it was like B12 shots that we all got to keep us well and everything like that and I, and I kind of mentioned to the doctor I'm not feeling well and he did a couple of tests and he was like hey like you are not okay <laughs> it's like like need to rez. and I was like I must rehearse for this play do you know what I mean oh, here's so again, a pint hind- of blood while we're at it <laughs> <laughs> hindsight's a funny thing um and so yeah that that was me in London for I think it was like four or five months that we were down there for um mm. and then by the end of that I was like get me back to Glasgow I could not wait peace, to peace. come back. yeah well, that's and-
0: the thing like you know I I find it hugely brave for a start just that that nature of the the business that you're in because I've never well I was a performer but a very kind of niche thing like I was a cheerleader so I wasn't in the world of audition and stuff like well I auditioned every year to get back into that but I wasn't in that world of musical theatre and going down for stuff and up for stuff and so it always kind of well it sounds quite scary and quite full on and you're maybe you know, you're finding yourself always the new person unless you're going into a company of maybe people that you've met before and like how do you deal with that do you think that how you deal with it has changed over your career thus far
1: Oh yeah one million percent Mm. I think like when I first graduated I was quite like I would go down to London a lot I would be going and auditioning and taking it all in and I had you know West End was always the thing that was in my brain it was like I want to be on the West End I want to be on the West End and then I did that and then I was like oh and it was it was great because I, it was a Scottish cast so it was a bit of home you know yes. um I was a cover so I wasn't on every single night so I got to kind of dip my toe in if you will nice, and it was okay. a play that I really really liked so it wasn't like a play that I, you know sometimes you have obviously you have to do things that you're not absolutely as keen on but this was a great it was a great great show but having that little tiny taste of it really changed my my sort of yeah view on on all of that that, you, mm. that you've spoken about and after that I did have a, I had a conversation with my agent and I sort of said like London isn't the one for me I was kind of like I, I'm happy to to go down audition for things if I really feel like oh, I would love to do that yes. but if I don't have that feeling then I think I'd rather just leave it and kind of be up here and I think that was a, a really hard thing to do because Especially after being in London, it was—it's all consuming and it's very like, oh, you should be going and searching for this London agent. You should be living this London life. And I and I just, when I came back up, and if I'm being completely honest, I felt like I was kind of um, like I was copping out by. Wow, i
0: um, Are you telling me that? And I think that I'm thinking, God, that was as brilliant. You you knew that about yourself and that you'd and you said it out loud and you'd
1: made that thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I think that now, like now that I look Yay. back, I go, I'm, I'm glad I did that and I think it was a brave thing to do. But at the time I felt and I think it's because I came from a musical theatre course where it's drummed into you that you must be in London and that all the works in London and that West End is is the pinnacle. Right. So to then go, actually, I love it in Glasgow and that's where my heart is. And I love working up here. Like yeah. to admit to say that felt like it could be considered as a cop out. Right. And so I think I bet myself up, beat beat myself up, bet myself up. I don't know, I don't know what you would say in that situation. I think you beat yourself up. I think I beat myself up um, yeah. about that for a while. Whereas now mm. I'm like, now I'm like, yes, I I love it up here and I wouldn't change that.
0: That but, is the joy of hindsight and all that, and growth and, and uh, getting older as well, and the experience in it. And like you can't fast forward
1: necessarily to that bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know you have to learn it, and I mean. See, when I think back to some of the like auditions that I've done, for example, like down in London, like there was one time I auditioned for a, a show and I had to go down to London every week for like four weeks, like, cause it was, caught, it was recalls, right? So I was getting on the train, going to London, being in the room for honestly about three minutes. And then I was leaving, getting back on the train, coming back home and all of that. And then I, I got to the final round and just had a terrible time <laughs> at the final. God. Just the director was a bit, you know, Horrible, in all in all honesty. Okay, yeah. Um, I just didn't have a great experience, and I remember leaving, thinking, "God, that was one of my dream shows that I always wanted to yeah. do." Right? But I didn't have a great experience, and then you start to go, "Well, like it just doesn't align anymore." You mm-hmm. know, like what's?
0: And then you, start, you you're like? questioning yourself, going, "Is it me, or is yeah. it them? or is, have I been sold a lie, or is this just an yeah, off day?" Yeah. Like I can imagine it's yeah. quite confusing
1: because yeah, it's all hanging
0: on that one moment. <laughs>
1: yeah and I think especially when you've got such strong ideas as a a child Mm -hmm. or as a younger person of what you want and so if you don't then achieve that you feel like you've failed you know instead of going no I've just kind of grown past that or I've gone on a different road totally Um,
0: and how lovely to discover roads that you didn't even realize existed that you could work uh, in Glasgow you could work here in Scotland
1: maybe London isn't it the be all and end all by the way yeah absolutely Because when I left that edition, that was a turning point because I just thought, gosh, why am I absolutely knocking my pan in to try and, you know, go to London and, you know, impress in these editions and everything like that, when actually my heart isn't in it. So that did really shift my perspective on things. And and I think I I stopped being so desperate to do sort of um, commercial musical theatre at that point. And I did this really amazing job with NTS um, called Shift.
0: I didn't get to see this and i heard so many amazing things about it and i'm so gutted that i didn't see it mm. it was really it was such a great job that was at summer lee yeah yeah because it's literally five minutes up the road from me and i don't know how i didn't Brilliant. get to see it gutted everybody was buzzing about it
1: it was i mean it was snowing so you you probably did yourself a favor because it's very <laughs> cold <laughs> um but it was so cool and i went into that job not knowing much about it in all honesty um but it was four actors, and then the rest of the cast were community cast members. That's right, yes. Um, and it was honestly such a special experience, like one that I will never ever forget. I think that was maybe one of my favorite jobs I've ever done because oh. just being on that stage with the cast who were given their time. Yeah, and that was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, absolutely freezing outside in the snow.
0: <laughs> and that's <laughs> must be these moments where you're like. How did I get here, and how's this my life? How's this my actual job? Like doing these yeah. weird and wonderful but amazing, tremendous things, and then I guess all the people that you collect along the way, and the mm-hmm. things, the situations that you end up in, in rooms
1: with people, yeah. and you're like, this is mad, <laughs> but brilliant. It's, it's very, it's very special, isn't it? Like mm. to get a group of people in a room, and like. Yeah, and then you all kind of just go your separate way and you scatter around and then that's it and that kind of magic is over. Like I think that's such a I like that about this job. And do you the get the post show blues? Is that a thing for um, you? Not really, which is odd, because when I was younger, like I would get the post show blues. Yeah. I'd cry and cry and cry when a show was done. I wouldn't say I don't get post show blues. I'm I am quite nostalgic and I'm quite like as something's coming to an end, I'll start feel I'll start grieving it at the time. But then I am a very, like, I like my home comforts and I'm quite, uh, um, I like being inside, <laughs> <I> like being <laughs> at home. So like, for example, Sensible. yeah, so for example, when Panto was coming to an end, I was like, oh, I was really sad. I was like, I love these people. And we had such a good time. Like, we had such a good laugh and it was just lovely and the audiences were gorgeous and it was just so nice. And I was having such a good time. But I was also like, I'm looking forward to being in my pajamas at 7 p.m yes you know like, it's pulling, like it's, the gravitational pull to the jammies so yeah good. <laughs> it's hard when it's seven o'clock at night and it's dark outside and you have to put sequins on like that is hard <laughs> that's the hardest part for me i'm like i just want to be in my pajamas so <laughs> i have to paint my um, face green yeah and, and yeah exactly and instead here I am and I'm, I'm freezing cold and yeah do you know what I mean so like there's something about looking forward to oh I can just watch telly and I can just like be in my pajamas and be at home and kind of cook my dinner and like all of those home comfort things I, yeah. I love
0: not to um, be underestimated for sure that's all the self-care that of all those weeks or months or however it's been that you've probably not been looking after yourself To the best of your ability it's like just making up for that lost time kind of thing and that's important it's like you know can i pour from an empty cup so i guess you've got to like top that back up you're kind
1: of just you're kind of just getting through aren't you like when you're in a really intense work period you're just doing what you can to get through so coming out the other end of it you're like oh now i've got time to actually do things it's great, but then I get about a week into that, and then I start going, "Oh, I've got too much time." Yeah, and two like... feet. <laughs> like, I like that mentalist when I get any time of day, and I'm obsessing about one sentence. I like that time. <laughs> I know, I know. There is something about being busy, and then the time that you do have, you really cherish it. Whereas nice. then, you know, when you have tons of space and loads of time, it's like time becomes less valuable because you're just like, "I've got loads of it." So it? And um... are you somebody who?
0: sweats the whole like when's the next job coming in or do you think like because you've got your singing lessons that's that takes away that element of it because you're not necessarily focusing on when's the next job coming in it
1: it takes away that element now i mean i used to be 100 percent like pre-pandemic i would say i would stress about that a lot i would kind of a job would be coming to an end and i'd feel very overwhelmed at the prospect of like having no job <laughs> at the end of it of course and it go. It's, it's it's always been hard for, for me because I think my personality type I'm quite I like structure and I like being told where to be at what time and obviously you know our job does not allow that when you don't have a job to go to so it that's always been quite difficult but then when I started teaching and, and mm-hmm. my singing teaching really kind of took off that did relieve that stress so now um, and was
0: that pre-pandemic or around about the, the time of the pandemic that you started doing that?
1: Um, well I've been teaching for for like seven years or something like doing singing lessons but it was it was only in the pandemic that I started doing it you know as more of a job like yeah. before it would be very much like I would do it here and there around oh, yeah. my acting work whereas now it kind of feels like the acting work is working around the singing. <laughs> it's kind oh, of feels that's like interesting. So it's kind of like now it's like, do you know what, if a job comes in and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And that's really cool. And and, um, and everything, then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But if I don't feel that way, then quite often I'll, I'll kind of pass on it because I just feel like I've got students that rely on me now. You know, and uh, when I do Panto, for example, that takes me out of the game for quite a long time. And um, yes. so I like to dedicate myself. So, so when it comes to January, I get quite excited because I'm like, oh, I can now and I'll get to see my students again every week.
0: Um, lovely. And I get
1: to be available for them, whereas in December, that becomes pretty impossible.
0: But it's nice but to have that course. balance as well, because you can exercise those different muscles, I guess, for yourself. like yeah. The skills that you possess as a performer, as a company member, also as a teacher. Yeah, it's lovely yeah. that you can tap into all of that.
1: And I think it's it's a healthier outlook, because definitely in the years before that, I felt like I was constantly... Like searching for something else, you know, I was like whenever I was in between act and work, I really did feel like just a shell of myself, like not to sound too dramatic, but I would really lose myself quite a lot of the time, and I'd get really down, and I would just feel kind of like I didn't have a lot of purpose when I wasn't on stage um and I think it's because that's as a lot as a lot of us will probably relate to that's where my self worth really came from totally because yeah. I did it from such a young age it's like yeah. that's what I do that's what you know that's what gives me my my self-worth so then when i wasn't doing it it would get quite difficult and a bit dark so now i i, I think it's it was the right thing for me to do to prioritize something else you know yeah and i appreciate I'm, you saying I mean, that because
0: anyone listening like that's that, surely that's the message we want to be putting out there <laughs> do you know what i mean that yeah. you know like no because i i guess you are sold an idea or a story and also we formulate these things in our head it's the same with like social media and all that do you know what i mean it's all smoke and mirrors do you know what I mean like it, what is important is that you find that balance in your life however whatever that looks like you know and not to put too much pressure on one thing or two to put you know, all your eggs in one basket in terms of who you are if you're not doing that one thing mm. you're, you're a whole person there's so many things that you've got to offer and it's not necessarily always on a stage or teaching somebody yeah. how to sing.
1: that's so true i mean you are more than one thing is like something i always tell myself because like for example my husband james has retrained to be a nail technician so he's, yes. he's an actor and now a nail technician which has completely came out of the blue for him but him doing that really did teach me that you're allowed to be more than one thing and you're allowed to be good at more than one thing you've got more to offer the world than just this one thing that you've always done do you know what i mean
0: Correct. and it
1: doesn't dictate your whole worth um
0: 100%.
1: i say this as if i know it all the time of course i don't of course there are days no when I still but don't it, you just so. keep saying it and hopefully we'll crack, you know we'll cotton on
0: and we'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll remember that when we're having like an existential crisis <laughs> yeah, that's what we hope, the whole uh, creative process i'm interested to know about that from your perspective i don't know if you want to take one specific role to kind of give us an idea but i'm just really really keen to understand how you are able to do the things you do because you're awesome at it
1: i think again it's changed over time so like i think for me it's gonna sound so wanky but it's 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 a feeling thing so like it's an instinct but like when i went to drama school for example I I became very um, intellectual with it or I would intellectualize it a lot and I would try and break it all down and find all the beats and intentions. And I think what that did was actually undid a lot of my instinct. (laughs) So then I got very in my head about things and I would be like, oh God. And I remember going into a performance class when I was at RCS, funnily enough, with Dougie Irvin that I mentioned at the start of the podcast. And he said to me like, can you just do a song that you like hardly know he was like just choose something that you hardly know and I was like right and I got up and sang this song that I hardly knew I was just totally busking it and at the end like pretty much every one of my classmates was like Katie that's the best we've ever seen you like what was that about and that again that was another turning point when I went oh like I need to try and like not chuck every head out the window not that but just like not let my brain Totally get in the way of this, and kind of trust that like there's some sort of I don't know instinct that that you need to kind of yeah. listen to. So after that, I tried to just kind of let that lead, and then let the other stuff also come in, but not until a bit later. So for example, with hanto I used to get quite in my head about like making a choice, and like oh, like you know, and oh, what what if it's not funny, and like all of that. Whereas now I kind of just try and go just see what like comes out, and then and then go from there I don't know I don't know how to describe it but just like kind of let it out and then shape it rather than yes. trying to shape something before you've even let it out if that makes sense
0: uh, yeah 100% I mean it's clearly innate in you like you're saying it's that instinctual thing but watching it and I guess I've got that kind of head on where I you know I've got a wee bit of insight to behind the scenes of working in that so you know mm-hmm. it feels like you know you carry that character the entire way through like from basically from the top of your head to your pinky toe it feels like your whole body is acting you become that character you become like somebody else and people like hey use flash that's acting (laughs) (laughs) but because and i think it's the nature of the things that i've seen you in because it is panto and it's Mm -hmm. that exaggerated over the top otherworldly kind of characters but i just no, it was very much the physicality, also the voice for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I remember the, obviously deliberate choices in terms of your voice and Rapunzel. Um, <laughs> I just got a picture in my head of you <laughs> with your tongue thicker out to one side. It was tremendous. Like I remember the, the Lindsay and I both looking at each other and like, oh, just sheer joy. But then to this year's Panto, very different again, and leaning in to your brilliant accent and you know, celebrating Scots and celebrating that, you know, that voice is tremendous. Again, is that something you've just experimented then in terms of what you do with your voice?
1: Yeah, it is. It's it again, it's just like, I think a lot of it does come back to what's the most daft thing that I can do? <laughs> <laughs> because I love being daft and I lo- I'm i really not afraid to to make a tit of myself. Um, Great it's and I think that comes from doing this from from when I was really really young so like I feel like if I started doing this when I was older I might have been mortified do you know what I mean there's something about doing it when you're younger when you're not afraid and you've not got all of that self-doubt and then maybe when I was younger I've done something a bit daft and somebody's laughed once and I've gone oh right okay well that must be funny so uh, that so now I'm kind of not afraid to just be like I don't know like do something daft and see if it sticks yeah so I think for me it's just about like do the daft thing like and if nobody laughs nobody laughs like it doesn't matter do you know what I mean but if Uh you don't allow yourself like fully just like go for it so like when it comes to to voices and stuff like that I just like to honestly be like what is the most ridiculous sound that I could make and then kind of sometimes take it back or be like oh no actually that does kind of work and I think to be honest Johnny eggs me on (laughs) Johnny I can only imagine like Johnny when when we're in the rehearsal room and if Johnny's directing it like he will just be like Katie okay, do what you've just done but then do this as well and then it just grows arms and legs and it just becomes off the scale ridiculous so like the tongue thing for example that the witch did in, in panto that was me just one day in rehearsals I just like stuck my tongue out at one point and Johnny was like more more tongue more tongue do you know what I mean so he just he takes it and just ramps it up a level and I think after working with Johnny for a couple of years I just kind of realise like I'm allowed to go that far <laughs> Yes,
0: it's I mean? encouraged, it's actively encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to do it, Panto's the type to do it. Do you know what I mean? So- oh, I throw everything at yeah. it. I mean, that, that cast at Christmas there, like, just what a stellar cast. Like, you know, and with, with Johnny at the helm, like, uh, so I interviewed Johnny for a Broad Live in Soul Coats oh, really? last year. I mean, it, nobody needed me there. I asked him one question, and you, as you can imagine, he just was just like held the room. It was just the most wonderful thing ever. And I mean, he's just like an actual genius amongst yeah. us.
1: He is. He's very, very special human being, mm. like as a person yeah. and as a creative. It must
0: be lovely. Yeah, because I, I can imagine having not worked with him, although, because I was introduced to Johnny because when I was working at the Tron on the Wii Show, so I think it was my first show with Snow Pals. Obviously, it was mm-hmm. the time of the Panto, so I remember them all being in the green room and I remember walking in in that way, like I'm the newbie. I'd never really worked at the Tron apart from like the youth theatre and stuff. And then, you know, it was him and uh, Dan Brownley, and they were like, hi doll. And I was like, you know, you don't even know me and you're just like made me feel really welcome. So I get that impression that it would be a very welcoming space, but also just like the material, like you're starting with something really good. And then mm-hmm. you add Katie Barnett on top. And I mean... <laughs>
1: There they are. <laughs> it's it exactly what it. you said. Like the material, like just does its job for you. Essentially, it's so funny, and Johnny's also amazing at like, you know, if you do something, you change a word, or you, or you, or you do something a bit different. He's so good at just be like, yeah, like do that, or like giving you room to do what you need to do with something. And but I mean, I've been totally spoiled working with Johnny and doing doing parts that he's written because they're all so like hilarious and random and, <laughs> and just. <laughs> Like creatures and just all sorts. It's not, you know, your typical princess in a panto It's like ridiculous characters that only Johnny could write. So I've definitely been spoiled. Well, surely that's (laughs) why you get
0: into this to, you know, to play at shops and and really use your creativity and your imagination. Yeah. And I think surely like that is the joy when you're pulling together all these creatives and all of their ideas are very much welcomed and valid and used to just amplify what's already on the page. Do you know what I mean?
1: yeah 100 percent. It's, it, it's it's so amazing and he's also like sorry it's just turning into the johnny mcknight show like, I know SME, but- <laughs> <laughs> like, there is no there is no better education in pantomime than watching johnny do panto because mm. like being in the wings and watching him or being on stage with him like honestly when i say that man does never give less than 100 percent, it's wild every single show and i had one moment during this pantomime at the tron where i got really emotional i was in the wings and i was just about to come on And Johnny was doing one of his songs and it was his solo song and he was just dancing about and singing his song and it was a kid's show at like 10 in the morning and I just thought to myself gosh he's giving it everything he's got like he's giving it as if this might be the last time he will ever perform right for the kids that are out there when you know I'm sure we've all been in the situation you've been in shows with folk that are like oh it's kids let's just phone it in do you know what I mean but Johnny's like no like everybody deserves everybody gets the same energy Yeah. yeah. And well, I saw I you twice that.
0: and you were exactly the same. I came to see the Trump <laughs> twice, it was that good. And you were exactly the same. I think that's that that thing about, you know, acting from the top of your head to your pinky doll from the whole cast, I have to say, every day was tremendous. Um, but yeah, um, so you mentioned James earlier on, and I think mm-hmm. so after seeing you in the pan I think I was quite excited because I, I discovered your iTunes page. Having seen you in the pan took me, Robert, and then Hadn't seen you ever kind of since, and then I think it was during the pandemic, and I was like, "That's the girl from the pandemic," <laughs> and then you were doing this other amazing thing. So, iTunes. Yeah. Anybody's been under a rock and doesn't know what this is all about. Where
1: have they been first and foremost? But where did the idea for iTunes come from? Um, literally just me. Like during the pandemic, me and James. So James is a guitarist, and it was just one day that we were just kind of singing and I, and I like to sing stuff in Doric um, in Scots. It's always been like a party piece, like a funny thing to me. So we were like playing a song and I thought, oh, let's just change this into Doric. And, and we just filmed it. I was in my pyjamas as well, which I'm kind of gutted about. <laughs> Obviously I was in my pyjamas. And I had this massive stain down my pyjamas. I hadn't I hadn't. Keep me, real. Was, Keep me real, Katie. It was peak lockdown, you know, peak lockdown, when none of us were, were leaving the house. Well, need bored day. now yeah and then we posted it on Twitter and just yeah the reception to it was really good and the folk were like oh this is really funny and we really enjoy it and and then um, from then we were like no actually I put it on TikTok not so that folk could see it on TikTok but the only reason I did it was because I knew how to add captions on TikTok so I yes. was like I'll put it on TikTok just so I can add the captions so I did that and then a couple of days later logged back onto TikTok and it had just like gone like I did. See, I'm not on uh-huh. TikTok and it is, I feel yeah. like
0: it's one social media platform step too far, but my pal keeps telling me to go on it and I'm like, yeah. Well, listen, if you want a
1: life, do not go on that's what I would say. <laughs> to be fair, I don't feel like I have a life, so. Look, I love TikTok, but like, yeah, so I was like, oh my god, who knew that folk would find singing in, in Doric so amusing. So yeah, from then we just started sort of doing videos. I think at the time we were doing videos every day. Tremendous, I mean like
0: obviously two very talented musicians for, for first and foremost, but then that I think we just love to hear how we speak. I think people just like in Scotland like like to celebrate that and rightly yeah. so, you know like I write Scots poetry and the reception to that has been like lovely and I'm like eh! But I think people just genuinely like, you know, I think we're good in Scotland at celebrating people who are doing their thing, make, making a way for themselves, but also like we celebrate Scotland and Scotland's language.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think and like, moving, moving away from Fraserburgh, like, I kind of lost my dialect. Um, and obviously it's something that's so central to who I am as a person. So it was just nice to sort of reconnect with that, with iTunes. And um, yeah, we just had loads of fun doing it.
0: Um, that was your lockdown project, which I mean, was, most yeah. of us were not doing anything as, as creative as that.
1: Do not get me wrong. It was like, let's film a video and then let's watch Married at First Sight for seven <laughs> hours. Like, that, was, that was what was going on. <laughs> in our household um so yeah and then that was cool and then from then it was yeah the reception was amazing we played at somebody's wedding which was okay. i thought was yeah which i thought was crazy someone was oh, like would you want to come and play these songs at our wedding and then um that's when jemima from Aura moore got in touch with us and she was like oh i really yeah. like your videos like would you be interested in writing something for the Aura moore so then me and james went and we wrote my Doric diary which went on at play fine and Pine. that's and amazing And so yeah that led to that which was cool and it was something that i'd always wanted to do i I think i'd said it to james a few times actually i'd said i'd really want to write a doric musical Mm. um and had you written before was that or was that the
0: first time you'd written
1: i had dabbled i dabbled before james is laughing at me for saying dabbled he's actually just came in the door if that's what you James. james just rattling about um but i'd kind of written something when i was at rcs that the ma's ended up doing as part of their program they did it at the fringe one year and then after that I didn't write anything again because I found that process so difficult like so excruciating (laughs) like putting my work out there and having people come and watch it it felt so vulnerable that I was like I don't think I liked that and I just sort of didn't really write for years and years and then I'd started to feel like I wanted to again and it was when Jemima got in touch I was like well that's the universe being like you need to do it um so we did we did it and then we did it at the Piney Pint and we went to Aberdeen with it which was so fun um, tremendous. and uh, and we've just got the funding to take it out again so we're going on tour at the end of the year. How oh, lovely,
0: oh that's oh god that's great well done. We're, yes. we're really excited about that yeah. And I, I just yeah. I, I totally admire that like just making stuff happen as well you know like you're saying oh it was nice we got the opportunity yes it is lovely but it's like grabbing that opportunity and then going with it do you know what I mean like I really admire that because well it, it does take a lot of energy and effort and time and talent yeah. and skills do you know what I mean like but it just and having that you know feeling of right I'm feeling a bit gallus I'm just going to do it I'm just going to say aye to that thing that somebody's yeah. offered
1: <laughs> I think as well because like like linking it back to what we're talking about earlier like my my original dreams and goals were you know west end and commercial musicals and all that then as i got older i was like actually what i would really love to do is perform something in my own voice so like i want to do something in Doric. and i'd gone to a couple of editions for a couple of plays that were written in scots and Doric. i just never got them and like i just there was sometimes opportunities that were coming up and i wasn't getting in the room for them or like it just never aligned or you know it would go to other actors that weren't from the northeast and that would also kind of rile me up a bit because i'd be like oh like if I can't get, you know, in that, in that door. I'm then... actually here speaking the words, the way <laughs> you want them here, <laughs> I, I literally pay that place and I got to get in the door. So I, I was like, Do you know what, I'll just write it. Do you know what I mean? I... And then, and then, and then it will happen. I don't have to sit and wait for somebody else to be like, I'm going to write this thing that might, you might be able to get an addition for it. It was like, no, we'll, we'll just write it. And then, and then make it happen. So yeah, that one wee video that we did that random day has led to that. So that's fantastic, um, and I'm excited to do that again. Absolutely.
0: Um, and and do you think that oh, that has kind of encouraged you, or inspired you to write more? I know that's probably annoying. Cause you're like, we're just doing the thing. Like, don't make us write <laughs> something else. But you're just interested in if that has kind of given you the confidence and the boost to maybe continue to write as well as continue to act and teach and everything else that yeah. you do. I think so mm.
1: I, I don't have any like it's not like I'm like oh, I'm desperate to write this exact thing No, it no. definitely got, got those juices flowing again and made me realize that I can do it because I think with writing for me anyway like I'm not the sort of person that can just bash it out and then it's done like it's a very long process you know it's like draft after draft after draft and when I look back at the first drafts of my Doric Diary they're absolutely terrible like <laughs> they're really not good do you know what I mean I'm sure the first draft of
0: everything that anybody's ever written is probably not that great. So <laughs> I'm going
1: yeah. worry. So it just shows you it's a, it's a perseverance thing. It's just being patient enough to go through like how mortifying it is for it to not be good. Do you know what I mean? Because exactly. I, I think I'm a, perf- I'm a perfectionist. So I'm like, mm. if it's not good straight away, I'm not interested. So I need to learn to push through that because if Jemima hadn't said, you're doing this and it's going on on this date, what would have happened is I would have written that first draft. I would have gone, that's rubbish. And then, and then and then I would never have looked at it again do
0: you know what I mean the world would never have had that joy and pleasure
1: <laughs> but I think that's
0: the thing like I identify with that with the poems because they just kind of come to me and I'm a bit too lazy for like working on them for any great length yeah. of time do you know what I mean so there's like oh, I hold a half written poems in my phone because I'm like oh because I didn't get to the end in one go so that will yeah. do. do you know what I mean and it, actually this podcast started life as a blog but the agony of agonizing over every sentence it was then it was actually the best bit for me was the conversation that i had with the person and not trying to write it up afterwards hence why yeah. it became a podcast and but yeah but there is something in that labor of love i guess like just sitting down putting the work in putting the energy in and picking apart the thing that you've created yeah. and to make it better
1: oh it is it's, it's brutal but it's it's so worth i mean the payoff is amazing and like you know, doing that show, I was so proud of myself. So I was like, "This is like." I started not knowing a thing about how to write or structure or like do any of that, and it, and then, funnily enough, it was Dougie Irvin that spoke about the start of the podcast. He directed it. This is not the Dougie Irvin um, podcast. No, the yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the, of the Night Dougie Irvin podcast. Um, and so Dougie directed it and helped so much with like how to shape a play, how to you know like all of that. Um, so without him, it would also be rubbish. That was amazing, and then Dougie's mum, that was my drama teacher, came to see it when we went to Aberdeen. So it was all full circle, which was lovely. oh
0: yes.
1: And these are the people yeah.
0: that you do collect, you know, and that, that made you know made such an impact on you, like like you know your first drama teacher and stuff. Like I mean, I was talking about my dance teacher, because um, every time yeah. I see Shania Twain, it makes me think of my dance teacher weirdly. You know, these are the people that you know impact you, and I guess that's who you are for your students as well, or you'll be it, and you won't necessarily realise it, but that's holding space for people and pushing them forward and putting them up on a pedestal whatever you're doing giving them that confidence like it's important
1: you know I hope so because like even if like you know I've got students I've got this one student who's um I've taught for I think like four years now or something um she's now nine and when I ask her like what do you want to be when you grow up for example she's like oh I want to work in a zoo I want to work with animals you know she never says like oh, I want to be a performer I want to do singing but like if if I can help like give that child a little bit of confidence or or like yeah enrich their life in any way then that's great do you know what I mean it doesn't need to be like you you're going to go on and do this professionally but if they can think back to their childhood and go oh do you know what I did these singing lessons and I had a class time <laughs> like that's exactly. Good
0: 100% you're spot on. I, it doesn't need to necessarily be your dream goal and aspiration but it's just like the skills and stuff obviously you'll know yourself that you know that you're instilling in people just um teaching any sort of kind of arts like it's like everybody should have access to the arts. I mean that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And um, how do your family now like looking back to like your mum sending you to those drama classes? like i'm guessing they're very proud of you and um are, are anybody
1: else in your family and the arts at all just me i mean yeah my my siblings all have pretty adult jobs mm. <laughs> see these um, adults <laughs> yeah they're all adults My i've got what have i got i've got two brothers that are lawyers wow i've got one okay. that's um a teacher um i've got one that's a nurse Is that all my siblings Oh, James is shaking his head so there's another one. Oh god, don't what leave one know? out, they'll be very annoyed. <laughs> yeah, they're all doing pretty serious things and I'm like laddie dada. <laughs> so Lesson. that's it. And um, my mum and dad are both teachers, they both taught at my high school. Um Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I come from a family of academics and um and I'm the I'm the showbiz kid. But yeah, my, my family have always been very supportive. I mean, my mum and dad were amazing like when I was growing up with this. Like they, they were they were very, very, very supportive. And, you know, to the point where like my dad bless him, like the local panto in my um, town is a huge deal. It's like a big thing, right? <laughs> so, okay, like, yes. So the day that the tickets go on sale, I don't know if it's like this now, but it used to be when I was growing up. The day that the tickets go on sale, the night before people like camp out outside the hall like so, that they are, so that they are first in line to get tickets
0: oh my God.
1: people turned up at like three in the morning or whatever so my dad used to set his alarm and get up at like five or six you know in the snow and he would go and he would sit outside that venue so he'd go and get tickets do you know what I mean like so <laughs> that's so cool that yeah. they do that that's amazing it's, it's great it's, it's amazing they've got such a that. big theatre theater community up there um, and yeah my mum and dad were always so supportive of it I mean it's almost like a running joke with my cast mates now like anybody I'm in a show where they're like oh so how many times your mum and dad come <laughs> in? They'll be there three times, do you know what I mean? Um, Loving it. That's that's a, a I mean yeah. they
0: must be so proud of course yeah I mean and it's just lovely that you've been able to pursue that passion and you're doing it yeah I can't imagine that parents would want anything more for their kid than just to, them for them to do something that they enjoy because <laughs> yeah. we do yeah. it a lot, we're at our work a lot so you might as well enjoy what you're doing, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah and I can imagine as a parent it would be a quite a terrifying thing I guess I'd never really thought about it because my mom and dad were so like supportive of me doing it yeah, there are there yeah. are people out there that their mom and dads are like no like you're Aye, that's like that. a mad like, plan like what are you thinking? Yeah. what you're thinking is my mom and dad rolls like yeah go for it like why yeah. not you know and they've and it's been difficult at times I've phoned them you know in tears you know going I didn't get that job or why am I doing this and you know like yeah all of that um, and i suppose that can't be easy as parents to go god like we've supported this thing and now like it's making you feel that way but yeah,
0: but yeah and i do appreciate I, you kind of mentioning earlier on like the kind of mental health aspect of it because because yeah. it isn't all jazz hands and having a lovely time and playing we are pals it really isn't it's no, a serious it's job not. it's a you know it's, a, it's all consuming and not knowing when your next job and all that like what a head
1: I know. mess that is I often wonder like if in the future I was to have kids and they turned to me and said they wanted to be in this industry like I do wonder if, if like my mum and dad not having any connection with the industry and not knowing anything about it like I don't know if I would be able to have the same <laughs> amount of support I probably would but you know what I mean like when, when you know you're like totally you
0: know I I can't unknow something like once you've let or unlearn that kind of thing I guess Oh, I could imagine would be because I'm not a parent, but it's just that will you be able to offer them the advice that you from the lessons that you've learned? Exactly. Like the exactly. thing that when you were down, you know, down in London, and you were going after that, and then you realised that actually wasn't what you wanted to do. Then that's the story you would tell them.
1: Yeah, and that you don't, and you, and don't you, you're you, sold an idea, and you don't necessarily need to buy it. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to learn your own lesson and learn it in your own way because I do think when you want to be a performer, it's something that is in you, and it sounds again wanky but like it's 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 something that's very much in you it's like an itch that needs to be scratched so I think if if you're discouraged and you shove that down that's not going to make you happy you kind of have to do it because then you might turn around and go actually this isn't for me but you've scratched that itch do you know what I mean so like if in five years time I go do you know what I'm actually done and I don't want to perform anymore and I'm going to teach and and that's it like I feel like I've scratched that itch because my mom and dad allowed me to do you know what I mean if they right. had said no you must go and be a lawyer like I probably would always be sitting wondering well what if mm. I tried you know yeah and so. I'm sure there's a lot of
0: people like I mean certainly I work in Amdra I'm still like a, mm-hmm. a particular club that I work with and you know, there's people there that you know I, over the years have said to me like oh I should pursued yeah. it or just was that opportunity wasn't there for me or but you know it was a time where that would have been a really really madcap idea kind of thing and and I'm like yeah, yeah. it's a shit. like and I'm you know I'm of the opinion like it's never too late but you know that's mm-hmm. there's real life as well and people have jobs and kids and responsibilities yeah. and all that so yeah yeah I hear what you're saying there for sure but well I mean
1: yeah. especially the way the industry is right now you know with how mm. how difficult financially it is like yes. we can't you know sidestep that I mean I'm also no. very aware of the privilege that I have which is that my parents you know financially supported me in big ways and and if they hadn't done that you know I wouldn't have um been able to do the things that I've done that's just a fact so like coming out into this industry right now I mean I've got loads of students you know who are currently training or who are about to addition to go to drama school and you're like gosh like coming into this industry at this point in time with the cost of living and the cost of being in this industry you know the low wages yeah. and the work and all of that like it's a lot it's really yeah. really hard so like there's all of these factors you know mm. tough but
0: but <laughs> nice we, sol- we soldier on because of the love that's it and if we keep so, talking yeah. and saying but yes look, lots of things are lovely about it but also flagging up the things that are not so then change will hopefully be made you know if enough people are saying it do you know i mean And it's not just all like i crack on
1: jazz hands five six seven eight because i do i do worry i'm like god we are going to lose a lot of people you know that are very very good at their jobs because of the state of of this industry Mm. just like the how difficult it is to live being a performer like i've seen these reports (laughs) these reports they're probably tiktoks let's be honest they're not reports But like, I've seen these- Valid, valid information (laughs) from TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I wouldn't watch the news.
0: You're probably better watching TikTok, so.
1: You know, I mean, I've got this habit of saying, I read this thing, and we all know that I read this thing actually means I saw a TikTok that, um, (laughs) like showing, you know, West End performers that are working three jobs or whatever. That's a piece of nonsense. What is that? Do you know what I mean? Like, why is that a thing? That's terrible. These people are like
0: professionals knocking their pan in.
1: Awful. And you pay all that money for the training and all that to get to the top of your game to then be like, right, I've, I've also got to do these other jobs to support what I do. It's wild. It's wild times. It really is wild.
0: Yeah. But it sounds to me like, bringing it back to you, Katie, like it sounds like you've got a lovely balance in terms of the things that you are obviously very, you know, you're trained to do, you're you are passionate about, you love to do it, that um, you've found that nice balance that you're, you are spinning all those plates, you are sometimes the emphasis is on one more than the others and i think that's great because it just keeps the juices flowing and they all talk to each other they all feed off each other all these things
1: yeah i hope so i mean right now it feels like it's a balance Um, and of course like we said earlier on there are then times where i get an acting job and like for example when i was doing barn the botanics last summer um, Mm -hmm. and i was rehearsing for one play during the day and performing the other play at night so it was like wow. twelve-hour days, if not. I feel I it would have been twelve-hour days pretty much every day in a row for six days, and then I'm also trying to teach. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like <laughs> occasionally, I'd be like, or like during panto, I'd be come, I'd be doing a show, and then I'd come off, and I'd go home, and I'd teach three lessons, and then I'd go back to panto and do panto at night. So yeah, i mean, plugging James yourself in at like, the wall, like I, to I, charge. I uh-huh. so that's it so james is all the same to me when i get downtime, and i'm like oh like i'm um, you know i feel like um i've got too much time in my hands he's like you better enjoy it because you you then go into a job and it's like you literally work 12 13 hour days because you're like i've got this and i've got this and i've got this and then you know there's loads of rest time when i'm just chilling but it's just yeah the balance is there but sometimes it's a bit of a not so much <laughs> a slow, slow. yeah so
0: like, I had just check myself.
1: it's good if you've got somebody there going hey <clears throat> excuse me I just remember <laughs> well he also james also compares it to working offshore which i find really useful Oh yes because it's like you put in loads and loads of work like that's quite concentrated and then you've got you know a bit of time yeah. and it's like instead of thinking of it it's like oh, well, i'm unemployed or i'm like you know whatever it's like no i did my work and I did a lot of it at once. <laughs> now...
0: That is yeah, that's very clever. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I quite like that. I like putting a positive spin on something for sure. That's good. That, that's, that's clever. Well done, James. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I'm, I'm highly aware of time because I've taken up lots of your very, very valuable time. Uh, but I wonder if you would indulge me very quickly on a couple of hingamajig questions, which are just randoms that I like to ask each guest before they leave the podcast. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. But if you'd said no, I'd be like, all right
1: then. I know, can you imagine? I'm like, no, goodbye. <laughs> End of
0: podcast. <hoddy. laughs> As she desperately tries to find them on her phone. So there's like 70 odd, but I'll just pick out a couple of randoms.
1: Great. I love it. It's so, just yeah. your answer
0: to the day, Katie. It's no but well, no okay. it, right? Um, okay. What song do you know every single word to?
1: Um. What song do I know every single word to? <laughs> I was gonna say happy birthday Um, <laughs> probably um, defying gravity
0: I can imagine or, you do I mean defying gravity to be fair
1: <laughs> I know I think I feel like I know every word to that anything that's like classical music not classical anything that's like classic musical theatre that I would have blasted in the car when I was younger Um, I could probably sing every word to
0: um, favourite childhood
1: meal oh. oh I was thinking about this the other day actually in the school canteen There used to be these, like, fish things. They were, like, shaped like fish. And they were fish, obviously. And then (laughs) you'd get these really good chips at the side of it. And I just had a hint of nostalgia the other day, thinking I'm never going to taste that again. Ah, Yeah. So, like, like it was, like, a fishy thing. I like it. I like it. Um, Best day you've ever had? Best day that I've ever had. One of the best days I've ever had was when we went to go and visit our puppy. We went to go and visit and pick one. Darla, her name's Darla. How love um, her. Was this we in, went... was
0: she inspired by the puppy in the bando? Yeah, she <laughs> was. She was
1: because Dolly. Dolly was so gorgeous, and Dolly was in the rehearsal room with us. And after the first week of rehearsals, I went. I was just like, I'm in love with Dolly. And then James had a client who had a dog, um, that James was also in love with. He was a little poodle, and uh, turned out that that. Uh, where, where James's client got her dog from? They were having another litter, so all kind of aligned. Um, yes. but Darla does look like Dolly's twin. It's so funny. Well, because like when you Darla. put a picture
0: on or a video, I was like, "Oh, you must be babysitting," and then I was like, "No, no. wait, no. different dog."
1: I know different dog. Although Do- Dolly and Darla have met and they played so well together, it was so cute. Surely that's um, a show
0: in itself, Dolly and Darla. Do right, I'm Dolly saying?
1: and Darla. That's it. I know it sounds like a show, doesn't it? but um, yeah when we went to visit the puppies and pick one that was a very special day because immediately we knew that it was her and it was such love like it was just an amazing amazing day
0: i'm so glad you've got in your life because i know the joy of it this is the yeah, best oh, <laughs> um can you handle two more
1: yeah do you call it a house coat or a dressing gown dressing gown i, like your no, I don't think i've ever called it a house coat no no
0: fair enough i call it a house coat what?
1: Really, I think, is that a Glasgow thing?
0: Um, I'm in North Lanarkshire, so I don't know.
1: Just a central belt sort of thing. No, dressing gown for the win. I hear you. And the question I ask everybody is, what is your favourite
0: Scots word or phrase? Because it's called the Bron the Brave, but you could absolutely give me a Doric word. Whatever whatever word comes to mind.
1: Who's your do's? <laughs> Who's your do's? Who's your do's? And that means? It means, how you doing? Yeah, but in actual translation, I think it means, how's your pigeons? Oh, doos! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Yeah, so it means, how's your pigeons, but it's now just developed into, how are you? Who's your doos? Yes! I love that! How's your
0: pigeons doing? How are you? Love that!
1: Who's your (laughs) doos? Well, listen,
0: you're going in the Hall of Fame because nobody said that in the whole 199 (laughs) episodes of the the, the podcast. So, Katie Barnett, thank you so much for being equal measures broad and brave. No, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. You're an absolute star, and I wish you all the best with whatever you're up to next, and I'm looking forward to seeing the show later on in the year. I'm so excited
1: thank you so much honestly it's been been lovely i, hope that I haven't um, waffled on hello, hello. i'm the queen
0: of waffling here so they'll be just editing me out That's usually... i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the brawn the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now